0: Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the Happy Death Day series, which is Happy Death Day. And the new film, Happy Death Day, to you. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Show, And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody. Welcome in to episode 184 of our little podcast, We Call Film Tank. I am Alex Steakman, as per usual, along with my usual two co-hosts. Hi!
1: Nick, <laughs> Nick Cheney. I am the little co-host, we call Nick.
0: I know you're calling Little, but that's alright.
1: No, I'm, I am the little co-host. Oh, okay. We call Nick. Like, we don't call me Little. I'm just saying,
0: factually, I am Little. In what sense? Um, My penis size. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you went there because that's where I was leading you Why to. Why did you do this? Where else would? <laughs> Why did you do <laughs> this? Why
2: did you do this?
0: I like the I like the idea that you have to count on your hands. Then for I don't know what reason. I
2: really don't want to know, and I
0: don't want him to elaborate. Okay. Uh, that other voice you hear is the other usual co-host. Uh, the short Tucson. Hi.
2: <laughs> I'm Tucson. I'm the other co-host.
0: And he doesn't understand that you don't have to shout into the microphone. Well, oh so I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Nick did it, and I didn't want to be the only one who wasn't.
0: But I'm
1: little, so it's like my voice counts for like half of a regular voice. So.
2: Uh, oh, I'm so
0: Don't necessarily know if that's how it works when it comes to voices.
1: I think that's exactly how it works.
0: Okay, so you can talk a little louder now so we can hear you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> On this episode, we are going to chat about the, ooh, horror series. <laughs> ooh, ooh. We're
1: already starting with this fucking bullshit.
3: <laughs> oh
1: my god, no, why are you
0: doing this today? No. we, 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 we It's definitely, not called Happy Fun uh, Day.
3: <laughs> the, ooh, horror series.
0: I don't think there will be any need to go into a conversation as in depth as we had on the Don't Breathe episode. Oh, please. No. However, that being said, um, I do have feelings about the uh, difference in genres between the first and second film, which ah. I think are pretty easy to discuss. I think that is, yes. Yep. I would so, agree. Anyways, we'll get to that, uh, as we are going to discuss both Happy Death Day and the new film, Happy Death Day to You. <laughs> uh, on no, the set Happy set. Death Day to You. Thank you. You're welcome. Good. Can I get a candle? Maybe a cupcake. Hmm. Before we get into that, uh, we have not done a Week in Review in a while, so uh, there's definitely a lot of different types of media that have piled up over the last, I don't know, couple months. Mm. So um, let's just chat about it for a few minutes. Yeah. Let's do it. You want me to go first? I mean, you can if you want.
1: I mean, I don't care. Let's see here. Um, I recently watched a movie called Mm -hmm. Mikey and Nikki. Okay. And it is a film uh, written and directed by Elaine May, one half of the comedy duo, uh, Mike Nichols and Elaine May, uh, Nichols and May, Mm -hmm. Uh, or maybe it was May and Nichols, I don't know. Uh, When they broke up, both of them went on to Hollywood, and Mike Nichols went on to create such films uh, such as The Graduate, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and much much more. And Elaine May actually had a slightly shorter career, um, but... Uh, she made some very prolific films, and I think the most notable of them was this one called Mikey and Nicky, uh, starred Peter Falk and John Cassavetes, who were very, very close in real life. Um, Peter Falk was f- always in, uh, John Cassavetes' films, mm. uh, doing probably the best work of his entire career, mm. uh. Within the confines of Cassavetti's uh, improvisatorial style. Yeah. I mean, he's basically, Cassavetti's is uh, the godfather of the independent film movement mm. uh, that we know of
2: in oh, America. Well, I've learned something new today.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, at least, especially the style and the kind of verite mumblecore Oh, <laughs> ah, yeah. Nature. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he did that in the 50s. Okay. Like, late 50s, but still. Like,
2: yeah. um, sort of like that one. Uh, I don't I don't mean to break off into a no, tangent, no, no, no. but sort of uh, kind of circling back to my uh year long film resolution of learning yes. more about uh French new wave, you also yes. mentioned that one sort of jean uh, vigo Jean Vigo who yeah. was sort of like the um
3: progenitor
2: or whatever. the 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 progenitor of oh. like the French new wave like sort of like created a lot of the different sort of like experimentative styles that would then be extrapolated and, and expressed throughout that period of yeah. film. Yeah.
1: And you know, he died <sighs> tragically uh, at a young age. So it's like he created the language he never got to use. Mm. Whereas Casavetti created the movement that he may have been the master actually just obviously stayed within it yeah. all throughout the sixties and seventies sure. and maybe early eighties. Uh, but Mikey and Nicky is about two uh old time <laughs> friends uh nicky played by john Buddies, is, is a criminal gangster and he, uh a contract has been put out on his head and because he's at his wits end because he's an asshole and an alcoholic and just you know someone you don't want to be around mm-hmm. he has no more friends anymore except mikey someone he's known since childhood played by peter falk and so it takes place over the course of one night as he's trying to uh Shake his paranoia and actually survive the night. Uh, while a hitman played by Ned Beatty, uh, kind of circles around New York, uh, trying to find him and and also uh, Mikey because they're traveling together. So it's kind of this nighttime odyssey, uh, as two longtime friends confront their kind of undying loyalty and yet, um, festering distrust of one another due to the judgments that they clearly have always held against you know one another. But just
2: never vocalized.
1: Right? Yeah, until yeah. it came to an end um, yeah. that night when one was facing what's pretty much known as imminent death. Yeah. Uh, and it's fantastic. Both of them give uh, terrific performances.
0: Uh, this sounds, I know it's not the, the same exact film, but boy, the, the the more you speak of this, the more I'm just thinking that this has got to be a extraordinarily depressing c- scenario for all involved. And it's reminding me of something like Nicolas Cage's film, Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Although that's different because no, he's no, the one who's creating this on himself. But at true. the same time, he's a person that no one is interested in being around. Yeah,
1: yeah. And only one kind of lost soul is trying to put up with it because of what they see in the other person. And
0: it is very interesting that she only starts doing that because she's paid to do so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, but know I'm, I'm just thinking about trying to think about exactly what you're talking about with this film, and it sounds like similar kind of things. That's kind of cool.
1: Absolutely. And I would actually say the movie gets more depressing as it goes on. Oh. Because – Sounds uh, like your kind of film. Yeah. Um, the final – the final scene in the movie is one of them is something I'll think about a lot mm-hmm. uh, from
0: that moment on because it's not someone locked in a coffin, is it? I knew. Man, That'd be cool though.
2: That was that was a movie, man. <laughs> that was That's um, a hell of a movie.
1: But this is weird because it's both a completely natural conclusion, but also one that you didn't hope that you'd have to witness, mm. and uh, it, it's just so good. But uh, it's very much uh, Elaine May allowed Cassavetti's and Peter Falk to do their thing that they had honed uh, during Cassavetti's own film and really kind of improv their rapport and whatnot. Mm. But what I like most about this movie is that Mikey and Nicky are, I would say, the same, morally speaking. One is a criminal and a gangster and kind of a misogynist, so he's a horrible person. However, Mikey is not that much better, because even though he lives in the suburbs and he has a white-collar job, mm-hmm. he seems to have a...
2: The same sort of, a, like...
1: I was going to say a disdain and resentment for the fact that he can't act like that.
2: Ah. So
1: it's kind of like, who's better, the person who's just being what they were born to be, or the person who... Doesn't have to be that way, and yet clearly wishes that they could. You know, it's kind of like um, if Jordan Belfort had a person kind of walking behind him, like w- wishing that they were good-looking enough and rich enough to do those things. You know, it's kind of like you know who's the real asshole. Now, the short and easy answer to this obvious it's both because neither one of those are good situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a really harrowing scene um, where Nikki takes mikey to go meet a girl that he's been seeing uh and they they go to her apartment and (laughs) nikki um keeps trying to have sex with the girl and the girl keeps saying not with somebody here and of course he keeps saying it's okay he'll go in the kitchen uh and that goes on for about five minutes before she agrees um and then that happens it's really uncomfortable because uh, twenty
2: yeses, like 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 twenty nos and a yes, like well, holy shit.
1: He only gets a yes because he finally just says, "Baby, I love you."
0: Mm. So then
1: she's into it and she does it, and whatever, and she still, of course, feels a lot of shame afterwards immediately. And
0: afterwards. he also locked the door from the inside.
1: So. <laughs> no, um, but after he gets up. He goes to the kitchen, and he tells Mikey that she's warmed up for him. Oh. And Mikey goes over there and also tries, and she slaps Mikey, and he punch Mikey. Peter Falk punches her in the face. Oh. Even though throughout the whole movie, he had basically been looking down on Nikki for being an asshole or whatever. And they have a huge fight afterwards because of how emasculated uh, so, Mikey felt, and he's like, why would you do that to me? Really and neither important. neither one of them are actually discussing the true victim. Really important right, question right. here. Yes.
0: Is there makeup sex for anybody?
1: Uh, for anybody? <laughs> I would watch the movie. You might <laughs> be surprised. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> oh but my anyway, that's God. like one moment in the entire Odyssey. That's
2: one thing, but... <laughs> That's one moment in the Odyssey. Does um, Odysseus actually make it home? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so it, it but it 's just a phenomenal film uh it 's one of those where like it 's an instant favorite of mine. like I watched it once, and I could already started racking up in my head where it ranks against other films that I call oh, wow. i like, I just thought it was fantastic. I mean, it was right up my alley as far as being take place in one night, talky picture, a lot of bad shit happens, and depressing finale <laughs> uh so it was very good, but those two actors are phenomenal um. Another thing that I've watched, before I'll pass it on, um, I have made a little progress Ooh. on my resolution. Oh. I that makes one of us. <laughs> I have watched two Soderbergh films that nice. I had previously not viewed. I yeah. got from a library. I watched one called Bubble, which was a... Um...
2: Precursor to Bubble Boy. <laughs>
1: No, it came out after I think. Oh, yeah. um, uh, it was a very interesting film because apparently it was made during a deal that Soderbergh had made with the Channel HD Net, where he was going to be able to make whatever kind of indie films he wanted. Because hmm. uh, he had just gotten done doing the Ocean's film, and he really wanted to do extremely low budget, uh, whatever. Kind of like what he's doing now. Well, you say
0: this is just before, something but a precursor like Netflix was yeah around to... yeah. Be a vehicle for exactly,
1: um, and in this case, he uh, it's a it's like a seventy-minute movie. It's really short. It's just this little kind of midwestern uh, shot
0: on a flip phone. It kind of
1: looks like it. And <laughs> I think it might have been DV too. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, if that one was not DV, then the other one I watched was I forget which one. But um, uh, what were they going to say? Uh, it's just a little midwestern thriller about uh, three people who work at a factory, and all three I believe are non-actors, um, and there's a murder that happens and you kind of get that. Like what if Fargo would like a documentary type vibe where it's like a quirky real life kind of behavior. And yet there are no real jokes or no real drama. It's just this very matter of fact, um, look at a possible sociopath, uh, amongst this kind of
2: Midwestern dribble. That's Remember that one time mundane. when that person got fit into the wood chip array? I mean, pretty much.
1: Um, so yeah, I, I as an experiment and as a experience uh, i th- i thoroughly enjoyed it, especially the lead actress that he got which apparently he got like uh, the casting agent found her working at a kentucky fried chicken like she just looks like and acted like um like you know moms i've seen at school you know when i went to school you know like got the curly red hair or whatever mm. um and she actually gave a good performance like i don't know if it's like she couldn't act whatsoever, so therefore she was just existing, and it worked. Com- or if they got so lucky that they actually found someone who could, like, you know, not think about acting, and therefore just give a. Per- I don't know. It was just really creepy. Whereas a couple of the other non-actors felt like they were trying a little bit, but because it's anchored on her performance, it totally worked for me. Mm. Um, then the other film I watched was Full Frontal by Steven Soderbergh, which was he made literally, like, a reaction, as a reaction, to Ocean's Eleven. He had just made what he calls, and understandably so, his most inoffensive film, <laughs> just most broadly appealing uh, mainstream, you know, experience you could ever have. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, so I guess I'll just make my own uh, John luc Godard film. <laughs> and he made a movie called Full Frontal, which stars, like, eight or so people, some of whom... I would say most of whom are no longer famous anymore, and yet at that time would have been a crazy thing to witness. It was Julia Roberts, David Duchovny, um, Blair Underwood, David Hyde Pierce, mm-hmm. um, Catherine Keener, who I mm-hmm. feel like she's actually kind of stayed the same
0: uh, yeah.
1: to some degree. Uh, all
0: recognizable, though.
1: Oh, no, I mean, they're still, yeah. like, famous sure. in the grand scheme of things. But I'm sure back then that would have been like, whoa, they're all showing up for this. And it... Um, So you watch this movie, and you actually are watching scenes from Full Frontal the movie concurrently with scenes from a fake movie uh, called Resolution, I Mm. think, uh, where Blair Underwood's character and Julia Roberts' character are actor and actresses in, uh, directed by David Fincher (laughs) with a random cameo. uh, No, it's not directed by David Fincher. That's a separate movie. At one point, you see David Fincher directing a movie, a fake movie, starring Brad Pitt and um, Blair Underwood, but it's a separate movie. Um, or maybe it's not. Honestly, it's kind of unclear. Jesus because, Christ. Yes. Um, and also, <laughs> apparently, the movie within a movie might very well be a set in the same universe as Steven Soderbergh's The Limey because Terrence Stamp shows up dressed the same exact way as his character in that movie – but doesn't actually utter a line, and it seemed like that's you so know,
0: it's just... left kind of ambiguous. There. Yeah, it's I mean, all, I...
2: it's all these walking like background cameos where you're just trying to reconcile. Like, if you're a Soderbergh aficionado, you're trying yeah. to reconcile how you're, you're already trying to reconcile how does this work
1: in fit, Soderbergh's r- fit, career? Fit
2: respective to like his oeuvre, but right, now yeah. you're trying to like wait a minute, is this yeah. like a literal piece of something that like con- a connective tissue? Yeah across different films. I'm like... But if so, it's only how? the film within the film. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs>
1: um, and, but no, it, I really enjoyed it and I actually started it over immediately with yeah. the commentary right after I finished it, which is always a good sign. Yeah. Um, and so, I can't wait to re-watch it. I didn't finish it with the commentary, but I like watched a good half hour of it again. Yeah. Um, but this that's definitely a for Soderbergh Acolytes only. I, I'm not entirely sure if it's successful in and of itself but if somebody is looking to understand Soderbergh, uh you can't not watch it because it's clearly him at a convergence point of a lot of different things that he was doing at the time and that he would go on to do uh even years later uh after it um got some great Nicky Cat scenes. Ooh. Uh Nicky Cat uh plays an actor in a play um uh which is a modern... I'm sure that was
0: actually probably kind of a reach for him. Ha. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what's
1: great about his scenes were the funniest. Uh, and what's great about his scenes is that um, he's in a play written by the character played by Enrico Cotellini, um, where they're doing a, like, I don't want to say modern retelling of Hitler and Eva Braun, but they're mm. just doing like a domestic drama of those That's two. That's sort of... And invokes yet, that invokes that with maybe a 1950s type vibe. Like th- um. he looked kind of like he's in a Mad Men era. Cause he like, you know, chopping on a, he looks like he's in the middle of an ad exec room at one point, right. whatever. Right. Uh, but he's every time Nicky Cat is on screen, he, uh, because he's very into his art, he does not have the Hitler mustache, because he actually shaved it, you know, his beard off, and some of his lines are just great,
2: and um, it's fantastic.
0: You think uh, Steven Soderbergh is going to do another mainstream film ever again? You well, mean what's one main that's not
2: filmed though? on an iPhone?
1: I mean, Logan Lucky is not not a mainstream film. Now, whether people saw it, that's a different thing, but mm. that was a... That's a crowd pleasing movie. It's a bunch of okay. good old boys <laughs> sticking it to the man.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of of his earlier works that he had. I'm, I'm something like, I guess it's only only mainstream because of how popular it becomes in terms mm-hmm. of the way I'm thinking about it. Okay, let me let me yes. let me circle back here. Do you think he'll make another film that? garners the same kind of attention that something like Traffic or the Oceans films did.
1: Well, mm, Traffic, maybe. Okay. Because I don't think he'll ever try to... I mean, Oceans 11 was clearly a work-for-hire type project, which not to say that it's the only thing he ever did, work-for-hire, but that was like they need this done, I can do this probably better than anyone, and do it whatever. Mm-hmm. I could see him maybe putting his all into a traffic-like story if he got another one. I mean, I'm not saying it is the same thing, but like High Flying Bird, that was somebody's script that he read and was like, oh, I I want to make this and mm-hmm. have this expose be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know that he, I guess, I don't think he's really
0: trying to no. anymore. Uh, Do you think he was previously trying to, though?
1: I think with... I think half and half. I feel like Ocean, he was probably trying a little bit, mm-hmm. but also
0: that was a fluke because I just... Uh, he, it know. probably would have been that way regardless. Yeah, I mean, if you had that
1: else. cast without him, it could have still been a decent movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's done not doing anything that doesn't speak to him in some way. And I don't think Ocean right Eleven will speak to him in twenty nineteen <laughs> the same way it might have back when he was riding high, uh, you know, off of his first few successes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. good stuff. So
1: yeah, um I very much enjoyed both of those films, uh Bubble and Full Frontal.
0: Right on. So there are two films that I'd like to uh hit on. Uh, the first being uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch film that's been on HBO that apparently nobody has seen except for me. Uh, and that's I the told film... you that I had never heard of it either.
2: You're <laughs> talking about like... the Brexit film? Yes. Oh my God.
1: You heard about it? What the
2: hell? I've seen the trailer, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I knew very little about this other than obviously about the content, about what it was going to be about. Uh, didn't really know about the style of it. Or really how the film would progress through. Uh, but I was intrigued uh, by the trailer and by the content of it. So I decided to uh, to give it a go. And I thought it was pretty wonderful. Mostly because I think this falls into a really weird spot for me. Where this is clearly a uh, film made by someone who's aware of british film slash television culture which i for the most part usually am not a fan of so but this felt in a weird spot where it fit in because i found it to be authentic because of the content in this film well at the same time it wasn't overbearing like the entirety of the film was just this bizarre comedic sketch that was put together in the same form that a lot of other English television shows put sketch comedy together or something like that Uh, but this film really does a fantastic job of going through and finding a sweet spot between telling a complicated story in a simplistic way while also not talking to the audience like they're stupid um, it's a very tough So it's the furthest thing from an Adam McKay joint. Um yeah. Probably. I mean it's still I'm making a joke because
1: that's kind of his recent
0: uh Yeah. yeah. Uh the, the the film is is a really nice portrait of of what it feels like, I think, probably to be part of everything regarding Brexit. Even if Uh, The story isn't completely authentic, and there is one specific aspect of it that is completely fabricated. Um, I still think that... The whole
1: whole... Brexit thing, right? Well
0: done. Uh, (sighs)
2: March 29th!
0: Yeah. Uh, I do feel like that actually kind of works just fine with this, because the idea of politicians behind closed doors, there's... you you would never get the entirety of a true story anyways so why would you not take all the advantages you can with a film that you're making really just for people's enjoyment not necessarily for historical accuracy
2: yeah uh the that- weird perverse kind of enjoyment <laughs> It but is, but here's the problem. Gallo's enjoyment.
0: There are way too many parallels between Brexit and the 2016 United States presidential election.
2: Uh, I mean, I would say absolutely.
0: Yep. There is, yeah. So it makes it a very uncomfortable watch for someone like me, uh, where I'm just like, oh, man, I lived through this. Probably because the same consulting firm like worked on <laughs>
2: campaigns for both. Yeah.
0: They did, uh, and the interesting part about that is the Did last... they mention that in
2: the – Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's the last line of the uh, text of the of the film as it's Dana Wine off
2: the screen. Cam- Cambridge Analytica.
0: Yeah, that well,
2: that the the
0: guy who gave and progressed the media campaign mm-hmm. was the biggest funder into the Trump presidential media campaign.
2: Yeah, because Cambridge Analytica was co created <laughs> by Steve Bannon.
1: I'm sorry, but this is this is movie related. Okay, cool. Um, there is a tweet. First of all. Thank the Lord for corporate branding on social media. Oh, my God. No. Some of the shit today. we've got. So ExxonMobil, oh, um, no. the gas station, tweeted this uh, a couple days
2: ago. You have to gas promise gas to send this to me. <laughs> Whatever it is.
1: Green Book might be an Academy Award-winning film. No. But did you know it was a real guide sold at ExxonMobil's SO service stations for African-American travelers in the mid-20th century? We're celebrating its history this Oscar season.
2: Hashtag Black History Month.
0: <laughs> this has
2: <laughs> This has been the worst Black History Month in recent memory. Uh, Ooh, I'm, not laughing. I'm I'm just I'm, I feel you. Yeah, it's uh it's it's I'm 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 literally dating this episode right now because like, yeah. like next talk,
0: year will be the worst black history month.
2: Like Candace <laughs> like, what is it, Candace Donnell's, like, talking about, like, oh, yeah, you know, the prison industrial... Com- I'm sorry to go off a tangent here. It's like... I did it. So. Yeah, the, the, the prison industrial complex is awful. It's like, yeah. It's like, it locks up a lot of, like, black people unlawfully. Yeah. But what if I was the warden? What? It's like, let's crowdfund our own privately owned black prison to take care of black people. And I'm like... It is literally the first day of Black History Month, <laughs> and then a couple off of days after the races. Well, not races. But- um, <laughs> And then a couple of days later, it comes to light that Liam Neeson <laughs> hunted black people when he was younger, yeah. out of some weird revenge ploy. Well,
1: what did you think, Martin Scorsese?
2: The Irishman is going to be about? Oh my god! I thought he painted houses. I, I was going to say <laughs> I he painted houses. I would.
0: I would say we know what it's going to be about. We, well, we, we
1: don't. don't we, yeah, we've got the because of that. Trailer. We've got the
2: Justice just Smollett case. <laughs> Which is just this fucking like like labyrinthian hole of shit that's just awful that I I could not have gone from not knowing who the fuck a person is to caring about intimately the state of their existence to resenting the fact that I know of their existence at all in such a small elapse of time and don't even get me started on R Kelly um uh, it's been it's been a real barn burner of a month folks well, the,
0: the, the, the did you par- say cross burner.
2: <laughs> it's been a real oh. it's been it's Ooh. been awful. Oh yeah.
0: The joke from community. Yeah. Um yeah, the the uh, the 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 real problem there with all of that is is <laughs> yes. is, it's is, existence. Is, is, is is all of it. Um, but boy, it is the just
2: the proximity.
0: Well, just the chest pounding from the white racists on the other side are like, see, oh. black people can't be trusted.
2: Oh, my God. It's been a it's <laughs> been a fucking month
1: for sharing that. <laughs> I just had not laughed that And hard. then Green Book won Best
0: Picture. <laughs> Well, I mean, that was a reaction yeah. to that. I mean, uh, come on. Green Book had a black
1: person. It's fine.
3: Oh. Yeah. I just,
1: I had not laughed that hard or had so much, uh, felt so much love in my heart since I saw the SpaghettiOs mascot celebrate Pearl Harbor.
2: <laughs> I can't even tell if wait, you're joking. Wait, hold on. Can you... Can, you, can you, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Guys, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, whoa, either whoa, one whoa, of you know whoa, about this? Guys, we have to record wait, a movie. Wait, no, no. We have to record a movie. <laughs> uh, to, hold
0: on. No, wait. We need to, we need to unpack this to i I'm so sorry to the listener. It's, it's we going off the rails. We need to unpack what you just said. Yeah. So, first of all... Keep talking. I, all of the Spaghetti-O thing... <laughs> oh, my God. I, it, that's not even a problem. The fact that mascot celebrating Pearl Harbor... What does that mean?
2: I mean uh
0: <laughs> celebrating what I what mean, could that's... he possibly be celebrating well he's smiling <laughs> oh he's celebrating american exceptionalism oh yeah why is his tongue out
2: yeah it's literally it's literally a, a spaghettio's uh mascot holding the american flag and take a moment to remember pearl harbor which is just totally there's a lot of things going on here and i don't know if they understand what the fuck it is that they're doing uh yeah, it's kind of like uh, Little Debbie um, consulting uh, Sunny D about depression. It's uh, like this is the apotheosis of brands just like eating human misery and shitting out even more pain. Uh
0: how about also too um, people who are in social media jobs not understanding how social media works?
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh there was a or how humanity works. There was a um Both. a a a a video game company that decided to host an AMA and ask me anything.
1: Was well, that where someone like someone <laughs> yeah. stayed and never went home because <laughs> yeah. yeah. they're so yeah. excited to <laughs> yeah. finish your game and it's like what? No, that's like Imprisonment?
2: No, no, this is a different thing. Uh, oh, okay. That's a whole labor so, issue, but there was a video game company that decided to hold an AMA on a uh, a board whose name I will not mention. Uh, that is That has been mentioned in the, the New York Times for, um, I don't know, facilitating some really illegal, awful, hateful, um, perverse shit. And uh, they said, it's like, well, you know, the opportunity was there. And I'm just like, the opportunity was there. And it's like, if I had a paint bucket and I just drank from fucking paint, I was like, would I say the opportunity was there? I'm just like, yeah. turpentine is there. Yeah. Jesus Christ. The old the old, the old white
0: man go to, yeah. would you walk off a bridge if your friend did it? It's like,
2: the opportunity was there.
1: Would I land on him?
2: God. Uh, anyway. Getting
0: get back to Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I still think that this film has a lot of parallels Uh, I don't want to say I still think that I'm getting back to that thought Um, there are a lot of parallels between that and the 2016 presidential election and it is an uncomfortable watch for me because of how unfortunately simplistic the Brexit campaign is thought of as and how effective that is uh, on people as you're able to emotionally just, if you find the right person with the right kind of ad at the right exact moment in time, and just you know, just pinch a little racism in there, all of a sudden they want to vote yeah. on something that's totally unrelated to that. Um, also too, uh, the idea of the how the slogan was come up with uh, which the slogan is um, uh, Take it, it back? Uh, no, it's... Um, it's it's, it's it's the 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 original slogan for Brexit was take control, oh, yeah. and then the final slogan that they came up with that really boomed into there was take back control. Basically, just another make somebody America has, great again. Somebody all has again. control
2: over you, yeah.
0: Right, um, well, and, and that it was rightfully yours to begin with. Mm-hmm. But, but, but the idea, um, and this leads to probably something that's already in con- uh, competition for my favorite scene of the year, even though it's only February, um, is the other side holding a focus group, uh, and the leader of this other side is just viewing this focus group, and eventually cannot contain himself and decides to go in and basically put these people on blast for being stupid uh which is the whole the whole dynamic of it is very interesting um but the idea one of the more famous parts of brexit was the buses with the we're sending 350 million dollars to the eu every week why would we do this and his response to that is we don't fucking send them 350 million there's no money that we're saving by not going what the fuck (laughs) um Fantastic! Yeah, Uh, all and I'm missing completely a absolutely wonderful performance by a actor who I think is actually pretty replaceable and Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, Um, I think he's actually really good in this. Uh, He has a couple moments where he definitely is tapping into something that Michael Fassbender was doing in the Steve Jobs film, where he's being this eccentric piece of trash that uh, this actor is playing really well, and it's working really well on screen. And just everything pretty much about it from start to finish, even though there's a couple small things that I didn't love about the actual film, uh, but Brexit is a very good film that nobody is watching or paying any attention to. Not that you need to watch it for like its historical value, necessarily, but uh, if you're at all interested in the dynamics surrounding Brexit and the idea of how could we let this happen, Um, I think it's a nice little snapshot that also has some pretty good entertainment value. So that's the first film. The second film uh, is related to somebody we just brought up a few minutes ago, and that is Liam Neeson's Ah. Cold Pursuit. Oh, no. Now, hold on a second here, because this was a pretty, I don't want to say profound, but a very interesting film viewing experience for myself and Nicholas here, because this is a weird film uh, in this era... Especially for people, I would say, as into the film industry, as we are, not necessarily that we like work in the film industry or anything mm-hmm. like that, but we have knowledge of what movies are going to be, and look more at information about them and find out more about them than the normal film consumer would um This is a film that caught myself and Nick both off guard. Uh, that it took a left turn about thirty minutes in and became a much different film than was being advertised, and not in a yeah. way that like Serenity did. This is a film that was no. extremely committed to what its film uh, was going to be. Yeah, uh. you okay there? Uh-uh. What? <laughs> Dying Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Right there. What? I know you. I know you were in the same kind of lukewarm boat as I was, but uh, I will say. If anyone has the opportunity to view Cold Pursuit, I'd at least watch it just yeah. because um, I don't know what the fuck was happening and I don't I know what s- that was. I will say this it takes
1: something that should be a slam dunk. Yeah. Liam Neeson, snowplow driving, avenging his son's murder. Okay. Like,
0: R rated, too.
1: R rated, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, like that right there is a recipe for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this...
2: Liam Neeson avenging is fun. <laughs> It used to be fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, this and even it, the trailer it, it, like made it look like this would be like, you want that, so we'll give it to you. In not the mold just mold of like, Taken or something so, like that? Well, I was going to say, in a slightly mocking tone. Like, right. this is why you're here. Not just like, you really should care about his... Stepson, right. daughters, child, pet being abducted and taken. Seven, all oh, dogs don't go to heaven. I, you know, like, <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> um, that was good. Thank you. The film starts off very much like any other run-of-the-mill Liam Neeson thriller. By the way, the first thirty. There were a few jokes minutes. in there where I was like,
1: "Oh, okay, it's got some bite to it." You know, like the uh, the autopsy or the coroner's uh, having to raise oh. the. <laughs> Oh. The bed of the dead body. And that,
0: no wait, those go on. It's not that they go on for a beat too. That was long. louder. It went louder, on longer, it went longer on, than a Family Guy joke. It went on for a good fifty seconds. And I actually thought it
1: was funny because of that, because it was so random and yeah. so whatever. I just didn't realize that the film was, was going to be that, was going to do that kind of zaniness and not really give you any Liam Neeson kill. Now he killed a lot of people. But it's almost always off-screen or from a distance, and it was just kind of... I thought this was going to be John Wick with Snow and Liam Neeson type shit, but no, and it really thought it was funny. It had a lot of running gags that it would use over and over, like anytime someone dies, it has a title card. That was uh, stupid. Yeah, with their, you know, uh, whatever you would call it, uh, tombstone, whatever. Epitaph. Yeah, epitaph of years lived. Uh and I guess I thought that was funny, especially if you do it after a shootout, because then there's multiple names. Um, no, literally, that's the film thought that that like, was in and of itself a gag. I know. Um, after the
0: big shootout scene, there were like 16 names yeah. on the screen at once. That was really sad. And stupid.
1: what I'll say lastly, before I give it back to you, is that this felt like someone is going out there. Someone out there is going to call it cohen esque And that is an insult to the Cohen because this... Is if someone is only <laughs> cognizant of the Coen Brothers through Noah Hawley's television adaptation of Fargo, like it is
2: so many degrees removed yes. from what the actual substance yes. is and aping. Just because only... it's on the
1: horizon does not mean it's anywhere hitting the mark, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. In terms of actual aesthetics of this film, I also early was getting a weird Wes Anderson vibe from this. Not necessarily in a good way, but at the same time I was like, Oh, this is like if Wes Anderson uh bizarrely made a Wind River. I was gonna say yeah. A a uh
2: Native American revenge story. <laughs> Did it have these like kitschy like hyper like candy gloss like models nah, it that no. but
1: it had, it had, it definitely was uh, picturesque in its composition when it
0: comes to symmetry and such uh, which uh, you don't normally
1: lo- see in that kind of genre. Yeah, he loves that shit.
0: I'm 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 thinking of uh specifically the music behind and the way the exact look of when he would wrap the bodies up and throw them over the uh waterfall. Yes. I was just like, man, Wes Anderson wanted to make a film like this, this would be in that film. Yeah. Anyways, so the film takes a hard left turn, roughly 30 to 40 minutes in. Uh, and actually, Liam Neeson really isn't in this that much in the last hour, uh, which is really weird as well. Um, but the film becomes much more about this weird, terrible storyline between the drug lords, uh, one of them whose name is Viking, who's this kind of one tree hill looking motherfucker in a suit. Uh, and the other is played by, of course, a group of Native Americans who can do nothing other than be uh, on the receiving end of reservation jokes. Although the one oh. was really funny. Oh, yeah, there I was one say, good one. There was one that I ev- like. I cracked up in the theater about because yeah. it was hilarious. I guess I'll set the scene for you that I'm bringing it up anyways, Toussaint and to anyone listening. Mm. But uh, they're at this really – high-end looking uh, ski resort mm. in a suburb of Denver, Colorado.
1: Which has completely co-opted uh, signifiers and cultural touristy, uh, shall we say, souvenirs from Native, Native American yeah. heritage. And right, whatnot. right. Like you could buy a headdress or whatever. You
2: yeah. yeah. So, but you the... could do that. You could do that. <laughs> and in the
1: face of that.
0: Yeah, the, the Native American <laughs> group goes up to book a room Uh, and the lady, thinking nothing of it, just turns her head up and just goes, Reservation? Uh, (laughs) And he he then responds, What did you say? And then she then replies, Reservation? Uh, And it just is a highlight of when this film, and I think that's the problem, is that there just wasn't enough good material here, because I think the timing actually was probably there for there to be really good parts to this film uh, there was just not enough meat on the bone to actually deliver that kind of film where there was too many of the annoying Viking character saying all of these bizarre things that the script writer probably thought sounded cool when they were writing on paper and then they actually got to the shooting part and they're like, this is stupid but we all are sheep and can't think for ourselves so we're just going to go on to the next shot Um <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Shit. Okay. I mean, he I think that guy had a lot of lines in this film. And only one that I thought was truly wonderful, which is when he... Talk about Viking? Yeah. okay. uh, When he's giving his packed lunch to his son, and he's very angry that somebody put a muffin in, and he throws the muffin out the car window, and he turns to his son and goes, I just want you to know, I was not part of this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if it was like that quirky throughout, it would have been okay. I will say, I figured out who I knew, or where I knew that guy from, and it turned out it was only one thing, but it stuck out, which was, uh, I had just rewatched it. Uh, He was the director, not the conductor, but the train director for the night in Murder on the Orient Express. Oh. The one person who wasn't in on it and was actually an oh. ally to Poirot. And which makes a lot of sense, because in that movie, he's barely in that movie, and yet he literally like shouts every line, like, Ha, Poirot! Come on, the
3: boy! Come like... on, the boy! So, anyway,
1: he clearly can give a
0: type of a performance this was a different type of performance i think i would say it was a similar i mean yeah just not not much to work with though oh think. no no
1: i'm just saying he clearly needs theatrics yeah
0: well i think there was plenty of that in this film uh it just didn't have a lot to land with so
1: yeah cold pursuit Remember when laura and... dern just literally walked off the movie She's yeah, in this movie, so she, and then she just decides not to be in this movie. There's, okay, There's She's and, fucking Lord
0: Dern. No, I, I mean, she shouldn't have been in it in, in the first place. It's I, just... I guess, here's this is getting too deep into what this film was, but she leaves a note for Liam Neeson about why she left, and he opens the note, and there's nothing on it. I
2: don't know. <laughs> I think that's an ultimate flex. That was meta-text. That's a great... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was... Um... But she's
0: never never heard of never uh mentioned again in the rest of the film. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I don't necessarily know if I would recommend that,
2: but if you were shit faced one night, you could have some fun
0: with Cold Pursuit.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm only gonna mention one film and it's gonna be pretty short, but I actually rewatched Tomorrowland. You know? Oh, we wow. watched... okay. Damn. We... Like,
1: I haven't rewatched it and I own it. Yeah.
2: Um <laughs> you I don't do? know. I don't know what it was. Um was still it still defending was it too. contemplating the anthropocene was it thinking about all the plastic that's never going to dissolve in our ocean was it coming across the headline for a New York Times article that talks about like how rising temperatures like people usually acclimate to them within at least like 2 years and then they're just not aware of like you know it's like why is it so nice in february <laughs> Uh, this is kind of fucking weird, uh, but if I can't enjoy the nice weather, I might go insane. But anyway, it's just like um. So I decided to rewatch Tomorrowland just because I felt like, for what I remembered of it, it was sort of like making sort of these leather broad like futurist sentiments. And I'm sort of coming off of um for the past couple of months. I've just been writing this article about futurist architecture and sort of the. Origins behind it as they intersect with like Batman's Gotham City and stuff like that. And just understanding where the origins of futurist modernist architecture comes from and how it's ultimately derived in part from the Italian futurists and their uncomfortable proximity to the rise of Mussolini in his time. Like the actual founder of the Italian futurist wrote the fascist manifesto, which would then become sort of the idea bed for Mussolini to take over Italy and do all of the awful, inhumane, barbaric things that he did. And to know that that aesthetic is derived, that ultimately futurism's aesthetic is derived ultimately from the architecture and the, 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 the designs that those people came up with. Um, I was able to then come to this... With a whole sort of new sober sort of perspective as to like how futurism plays into this. Um, I can't say that I think that the film is good. I still don't think the film is good. It's kind of, uh, it's, I think that. <laughs> I love
0: after all that, yeah. I still don't think it's good. I still don't think it's,
2: <laughs> I, I still don't think it's fucking good. Um, I think that the, it's clawingly saccharine in its sentiment. I think that the, uh, dialogue is really hackneyed and just basic and very, very like predictable. But there's one scene, there's one thing that I actually did watch it deliberately for. And that was Hugh Laurie's speech about like how like, you know, at every given moment there is a better future, but you choose not to do anything about it. And so you sort of resign yourself to it because that future, the better future, like the, the future of, of being resigned to your own destruction doesn't demand anything of you today, and I'm just like trying to like roll, like trying trying to roll that 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 quote in my head. Like it just stuck with me, and I'm just like, am I sort of like resigning myself to that in that way? As like are, are other people like sort of resigning themselves to that way? And I'm just like, do we just feel as though we are powerless in order to sort of like affect the macro level thing? Like we can try to do micro level good things for one another, but do we sort of feel resigned towards... The... I'm sorry to get on this existential bend, but this was the whole <laughs> thing that sort of, like, pushed me to even watch this film, and I'm just like... It it, it was very... Like, for a, a film that I thought was, you know, aggressively dumb in a lot of points, I <laughs> thought that that was actually a, a pointed and interesting sort of um, quote to sort of, like like provoke a a a a a train of thought. Especially like given the fact that when when was that film come out? When did that film 2015. come out? Twenty fifteen. Like twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen yeah. compared to twenty nineteen is just like it's totally different I mean I twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen had its own
0: fifteenth episode. I just looked it up. Yeah. Shit.
2: Fifteenth episode? Yeah. Wow. I know. Damn that's a long time ago. <laughs> um but like
1: just to listen to our episode in case you haven't already.
2: Yeah, I haven't even listened to it. It like might a even lot. be a Kenny episode. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so like, just just going back to like 2015 compared to 2019, I'm just like, how does this age, and how have I aged with it? I'm like, hmm.
0: can I ask you a different question? What? Because I think, I mean, we haven't made it much further in terms of uh, the way that films are actually produced. Yeah, but how about the idea of Disney creating a film that uh, is concurrently an original film, but at the same time is the idea from it came from a section of one of their theme parks.
2: That's interesting. Yeah. That's very, very interesting because like, you know, like you're you're obviously also referring to like Pirates of the Caribbean and I know that you are far more well-versed in sort of the, the Disney Imagineering sort of like products uh, of Yeah, but Pirates, like of,
0: Pir- of Pirates of the Caribbean had a much... I I don't want to say better, but it had a much clearer perspective on exactly what it wanted to be, where Tomorrowland... I feel like they started off with this idea, we want to make a film that centers around Tomorrowland. What is that? I... I, I yeah. think it
1: happened the opposite direction, oh, okay. which is to
0: say that it was jettisoned into,
1: you know, corporate branding or whatever. Right. But for me, at least, and it's been a while since I've seen it, so correct me if while. I'm. <laughs> correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I don't think Tomorrowland as a concept on the screen is all that different from just the concept of a World's Fair type. So wait, t- in, type atmosphere. Am I, re- yeah. am I reading correctly? That it literally won't...
2: opens on the nineteen sixty something. Yeah, World they, Fair. they draw the parallel itself. Right, right. So
1: it's it's one of those things where it's like Tomorrowland in and of itself is also influenced by past events. It's all the those, same way pirates are. It's the same okay. type of
2: like aspirational uh, utopianism of like yeah. modernist architecture in like mid century America.
0: But from what you just said, yeah. are you are you getting at that? feel like perhaps that the cart came in front of the horse here where like Disney only brought this property in and th- slapped Tomorrowland Because it. they could do that. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, like they wouldn't have just given Brad Bird free reign to make a story in which there's an alternate reality where you could see the future, you know, blah, 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 because either he thought of it in a way to bridge it or he thought of it and then they realized how eerily... Much little they'd have to change to just make it a "quote unquote" Tomorrowland movie. The thing is, no one really leaved left, I should say, Tomorrowland, remembering that it was a park. I feel like I wouldn't remember that unless you bring it up. Which is not to say that, like, I'm like Tomorrowland. I haven't heard that name. I guess uh, whatever. But it it doesn't really scream anything in the movie. It it
0: probably resonates easily with the audience, but it's probably the pull to get you into wanting to see the film. And then when you actually get into the film, it has nothing to do with anything.
1: I think it's literally ten times more corporate, uh, shameful, whatever, uh, in the recent trend of live adaptation. Uh, live action adaptation of the beloved property like that is way more cheap and in my opinion uh just pointless than oh well, there's a sci fi movie coming out, and yeah, maybe we could tie it into one of our rides like they they didn't go to great lengths to somehow draw up that parallel that's just whatever here with this recent trend, that is like do we wanna make a billion dollars this year, yeah, well. No one's going to see original properties, so we are going to resurrect the 90s year by year. Like, it's just kind of...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's... it's, But it's a totally different beast, right?
1: It's a different beast, but it's the same mentality as far as... I think it's the same kind of shilling. I, right. I guess when you were approaching Tomorrowland saying, like, do you think... I'm like, that has the idea that that branding would mean anything in the face of the audience compared to...
2: <laughs> Simply for the fact of its proximity but to that Disney. Is, yeah. like,
1: that just almost makes Tomorrowland's but, mute. But that actually, but actually mute.
0: Mute. Mute. is probably closer to something like Pirates of the Caribbean, even though that wasn't previously a extraordinarily successful animated film 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it did have very specific traits that carried over into the film, where yeah. Tomorrowland has nothing to do with rocket ships flying around and a cart driving through. I mean, I know that they physically have them. But no, it's not like a signpost
1: type thing. I'll say this. As a kid who got to see Pirates of the Caribbean in the theater Mm -hmm. and who went to Walt Disney at the same exact time, in fact, I think I went to Walt Disney World, I went to the Pirates of the Caribbean show like many people did when they went to Disney. Mm -hmm. When I saw that movie in the theater, I never once thought that, they were the same thing at all. Yeah. You okay. know, now that's because I was young, obviously, but like even having it being named pirates of the Caribbean and knowing at least what Disney was, I never put together that I was kind of watching. Now, obviously it's pretty strange. it was actually a decent
0: film. So it was obviously the first one is, I mean, I've got well, my yeah. personal thoughts on it, but the first, the first pirates of the Caribbean film, clearly there was more oh, thought yeah. put into that than the ones right. that follow it. Absolutely. yeah, It's weird. But
1: like, uh, it's just funny if I was the target audience in some ways, as far as because I was like in just about getting middle school, so I was like PG thirteen ish. Uh, I just never, I would not have wanted to go see that movie because I had seen the ride, and therefore, like, how would they bring that to life? But fair enough, and I think Tomorrowland would be even lower on that so, kind of to, recognizability. To
0: to let you finish off your your thoughts on right. it, t- Tucson, d did you feel like? There has been four years have passed. Mm-hmm. Things have obviously changed yeah. as a film viewer, but also in terms of the culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel like that that film is aged at all, or anything like that, or, or in in a good way or a bad way, or is it just still kind of just there? It's,
2: I feel like it's still like sort of like stuck in stasis. Hmm. It's still sort of like suspended in amber because it's still kind of. I don't feel like it really.
1: It's kind of like that girl. <sighs>
2: yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's it's um uh, it's a I can't believe you even remembered that. I'm very proud of you. Um I
1: was like that film's Defender on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I
2: know. Um but that film like Tomorrowland is it's just not a good film and I don't feel like it has a lot to offer in the way of like meaningfully engaging for how we how we even conceptualize the future through like what people used to think the future was versus what the future is now to us like it's just this entire like sliding scale and it and it just feels very. It feels very saccharine. That's 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 sort of like the whole thing. It's like, and and now coming to that, it felt saccharine before I knew about the the sordid history of the 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 origins of futurist aesthetics. And now that I do know that that history, and I'm able to sort of like maturely grapple with like like admiring a thing on an aesthetic level, but also being able to criticize a thing out of love for like the ideas that sort of underlie it and how it is actually like applied realistically into our world.
1: You want a better tomorrow.
2: I want a better. Yeah, I do actually want a better, a a, a better, more humanistic, more reactive, more egalitarian tomorrow. That is not so, it's not so, uh, it's not so obsessed with, um, not so obsessed with its own aesthetics of trying to like project, an idea of an idyllic future, but rather just creating a more equitable future and not giving a fuck how it looks. Because no matter how it looks, it's just going to come out better for the fact that people actually are living in it. Um, anyway, trying to t- circle that back. It was just like, Tomorrowland doesn't have any sort of like intelligent engagement or mature engagement with like um, a revised sort of future casting in that way. It's just sort of like leaning back on on uh schmaltzy uh, 1960s it's a small world after all world's fair kind of bullshit so yeah it's not my not my tempo very good fletcher kenny would be proud so
0: moving on to our main feature presentation finally the yeah uh, we're going to discuss, uh, the two films in the Happy Death Day series, uh, which I can't believe they came out this close to each other in proximity, but yet it's here crazy. we are. Really? I mean, it's only what, a year and a half. Yeah. Like,
2: did we review the first one?
0: No. no. Yeah. Okay. That's why we're talking about the first okay. one today. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think a good practice will be to just kind of talk about both of them at the same time because mm-hmm. I think that they're very much the closely related. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, the Happy Death Day films, the first one came out in the fall of 2017. It revolves around a college student as she continues to relive the day of her murder. Uh, this continues in a loop that will only end when she discovers her killer's identity. Uh, and then the new film is basically has some of the same things happening in that same kind of plot line, but it gets much more involved in the idea of Different quantum um, universes.
2: Yeah, now it's trying to actually like create an a explanation that probably was already there, but was just like,
1: no, it was not there at all. Which I thought was okay.
2: No, I mean like not in the the first film, but I think like perhaps the writing stage is like, oh, maybe we should explain all this shit. And I was like, no, let's just strip all this stuff away and oh, just you like, mean,
1: like maybe they had the idea. but They, they had kind the. Of- I- yeah. Deleted the scenes.
2: Right, yeah. Which
1: probably made the first one better.
0: Yeah. Uh so but the the idea of all these universes happening in concert, uh it's not necessarily something that hasn't been broached before in yeah. other kinds of quantum entanglement films. Yeah. Uh but Nick, yeah. you wouldn't know anything
2: about that. Which Nick? Oh <laughs> uh.
0: so uh that's basically what's happening in the second film and it gets much more involved with the other characters. Uh, and also spends time showing different traits among uh, the characters that are in the first film, which is uh, definitely a interesting part of the second film. Mm-hmm. Anyways, these two films star basically the same actors and actresses, including Jessica Roth, who plays Tree, the main character. Also, Israel Brossard. Um, Charles Aitken, who plays the uh, professor. Uh, or, no, sorry. Is he, is he a doctor? He's a doctor, Lab. I think lab oh, no. guy, also Phil sorry, no, I'm sorry that is not his name um, yeah, I guess he's both a
1: professor and a doctor, because he? he works as a doctor with the roommate, and yet she knows him because he's a professor, and I'm not saying that you can't be both but like, no. schedule wise it seems a little and murder people Oh, spoilers
0: uh, anyway so also uh um the the actor who plays Ryan uh Fifu I'm saying that super racist. Let me see. It's P H I and his last name is V U Fifa. Fifa Fifa. Fifa Shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, Fifu.
2: It might be Fifu. Yeah. Fifu.
0: Okay. Yeah. Also Rachel Matthews who plays uh the head of trees just gonna say treehouse. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Trees. Tree, just call it treehouse.
1: I don't know why that got a very regal guffaw. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: she Plays uh, the head. We're uh, getting old. Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> she plays the head of Trees Sorority, uh, and then Ruby Modine, who plays Lori, uh Trees roommate, who is the villain in the first film, uh, and then uh, a good character in the second film. Yeah, relatively good. Yep. So, uh. I will pass it off to you guys because, in all honesty, I don't really care for the series. I'll I'll get into that. But I think you guys probably have a more positive reaction to this. So I'll let you go first and uh, put that out there.
2: Yeah, I know. It's weird. We actually went to go see the original Happy Death Day together, didn't we?
0: We did. Yeah. I remember
2: that was a really fun experience. I I enjoyed.
1: The handjobs were nice, but the movie really put it over the edge.
2: I don't know who you were getting a handjob from. Uh, That was not me. That was weird. Uh anyway, but the first film I really enjoyed. Um I just think that there's something there's something perversely hilarious about the babyface like killer. Like just yeah. having that as a as a as a mascot for we a were quite for, the giggle machine for a uni- when universe. We saw this. Yeah, it was it was fucking hilarious. It was, I will uh, admit. Yeah. It was
1: used very well in the first movie. It was.
2: It it it, it, it really does sort of like tap into like the 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 existent vein that there is the the convergent vein between horror and comedy and that it's really all about timing and it's about surprise and that film had a lot of timing like really well well timed like surprises that were just shocking and alarming um that you're always just like waiting for it to drop and he's like you're not sure when it's going to happen and when it does like oh my god how could i not have seen that coming um but yeah, I think that the performances overall were really well done. I enjoyed uh, the lead actress just because I feel like her arc through having to experience death like over and over and over again, I can like I can empathize with the the frustration of what that that situation would have been like, and to see like that character under duress having to grow as a person because of that, and just like actually having like a more Considerate uh, attitude towards mortality and just human connection for the fact of having to have lived and died so abruptly over and over and so over So have you
1: not seen Groundhog Day?
2: I haven't seen Groundhog Day, no. <laughs> just the... I haven't actually seen Groundhog just Day. Just yeah. um, curious. If you I... want a movie that
1: actually does – and I say that as someone who's a fan. Yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. Thing, yeah. But... yeah. I but I feel like I got that from uh, – yeah, yeah from this movie. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh is um, this is this is getting more into the weeds about these films. Yeah. Uh however Get in there. Yeah. I didn't bother me as much uh, with the references to Groundhog Day in the original, because they do reference the fact that Groundhog Day is an actual event. To be fair,
1: they mostly relegate that to the coda. I mean, it's just at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. When he's like, wait, you haven't seen which I thought was actually a good use of it, because it was like the whole time you're thinking it, and then finally someone says it to her, and that's because she hasn't seen it. That's why she hadn't
2: brought it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's anyway. why you referenced it now. I was like, oh. Kinda, Unfortunately, yeah. in
0: the sequel, we get the reference to what this film is riffing off early on. Um, and I think one of the biggest problems is it's from one of my favorite films ever. So I... For the most part, I'm starting off saying, well, you're really setting yourself up for failure here. Well, the
1: stupid thing about that reference is that it's also not like that at all. So the fact that they brought that up, I thought was stupid. You know, I think... Well, the, We're talking the, about the, Back to the Future Part 2, right? We are. Yeah. Right. But
0: here's, here's, the, here's the thing about that that's weird, is that if you're not going to do that, why set the audience up to be thinking that? No, I mean, I agree. Yeah. Uh,
1: that's- I'm, I'm- so I was less disappointed because it wasn't Back to the Future 2, because I don't love that movie and more just kind of like well wait if you said it why aren't you doing it Type.
2: i know that these aren't like a total one-to-one i know there is the explicit sort of reference of back to the future part two but when i watched happy death day to you i sort of saw like it's it's not exact one-to-one but i think that tonally in some parts at least, it, totally and conceptually, in some parts, it sort of reminded me of that one movie we watched together. Uh, I think it might have been called "Detention" by Joseph Kahn. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, I like the second film. Like, reminded me a little bit of that. It and it's it's has not
1: an MTV ADHD Quantum right Odyssey, so to speak, going on. Right. Yeah. So I like that science speak thrown in there, where it's the first film didn't have that.
2: Right, and it was just like that. That sort of. Uh, that was sort of the vibe I sort of like teased out of that viewing experience when I saw the the sequel. I
1: can
0: see that. Yeah. So it seemed like Tucson. You really, you really overall did enjoy what the first film was doing.
2: Oh yeah, I really thought that the first film was. I mean, I was always intrigued by the fact of like, why is this actually happening? But like, I feel like it's. I've come to sort of a, a a point when it comes to speculative storytelling that it's not so much a matter of why a thing is happening all the time. I like that's not what I take like take satisfaction or gratification out of. It's more of like seeing how this idea is then extrapolated and explored meaningfully in a different way. And I feel like the 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 why and the what behind behind like a a a a device such as this. Can always exist sort of like at the periphery and can peek out a little bit, and you can like sort of like tease out an answer, but it's
3: kind of like it's half a dip.
2: Yeah, sort of. Yeah, but it's just like you don't have to. You don't have to like know because I feel like the film is good enough on its own. It's like it it it, it, it does not necessitate needing to know how a thing happened in order for it to have been a good film.
1: If you weigh too much. Importance of you know or paramount on your solution, it makes your entire problem pointless. But it's a plot hole. Uh, which then, <laughs> Hello okay. There. I mean, there's there's
2: there's there's a there's a contingent of people who would yeah. who would contest with that. Yeah, it's but... like, but I, I I agree with you. Right, I right. totally agree with you.
1: And then you just erase ninety percent of your movie's value. So to right,
2: speak. exactly. But it's a plot hole. Well, I'm just like, well, I'm sorry, but art does not always need to be neat and cohesive and just like play to a formula. It was like the point of art is to be able to engage with different ideas from different viewpoints. And really we can't know whether a thing is going to be good or not until we just like throw it at the board and see what sticks.
0: What about the, um, the inclusion of the usual horror film tropes in the original film? Because I think that, that it's very interesting that that film, uh, and I've only seen it the one time, Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it basically, just surrenders itself to the common horror film tropes to attempt to include those with the comedic elements in it, and, and so the fact that it, it it almost like makes it not have to tell a story because it's just letting the audience make those leaps by itself because it already knows what the
2: story is going to be. I don't think it ever tries to punch above its own weight. No, I I no, think but, what you're referring to, yeah,
1: is basically like. It's kind of this generation scream, which is, like, we're no longer allowed to go that meta anymore. Uh, I think that's a little too uh, conceptual for a, a lot of mainstream That's audiences. a little too
2: pedestrian now. I wouldn't our, say pedestrian.
1: I would say, like, people genuinely don't want to invest in something if its reality is being upended. Mm. Like, we like closed loops, as we see in this movie. Yeah, uh, as, as story- we see in Westworld. <laughs> Uh, as uh, storytelling devices in general. And I, so I just don't think something would catch on that. Because even Deadpool doesn't really ever take it as far as like, in my opinion, punching holes in the fourth wall. I don't think he ever actually breaks. I mean, okay, literally the trope, he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. But the idea that this is a movie and none of this matters is kind of what franchises like scream got famous for doing mm-hmm. and, and poking fun at. Whereas Deadpool, because I'm just trying to think of like the most famous fourth wall uh, tenuous movie out there right now, which mm-hmm. is probably that. Yeah. Um, w- we're just not there. You're never going to see Deadpool like have an action scene and then have someone yell cut and he walks off the set. Like it's just, and I'm not saying you should,
0: I don't I think I could so. see it.
1: Okay, maybe if they're getting desperate for ratings, But they're never going to, well, and that's the thing. They're never going to do that out of genuine inspiration of trying to play with the format. The
2: reason why they're not doing that is because somebody's already done it before. True, but
1: also because they're owned by Marvel. And Marvel's not going to allow a property that they own, Yeah, uh, even if it's not part of the MCU, but it's a Marvel thing. They're not going to allow a property say something doesn't matter in that kind of, cuz that's, that's 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 what I mean by these metatextual I mean last action
2: like hero, doctor which doctor I don't strange can like pierce through different fucking dimensions and shit, and you'll never see yeah, him... They, like,
0: they they do nothing with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: They they tease you that you can do it, and yet they do it for five minutes, and it was really pointless, yeah. and I was like super excited before I saw that in movie. Goku! Yeah. I think that... I'm here to bargain! And it ends with a punchline, oh, yeah. because they don't yeah. want you to actually think of the ramifications of what could happen if that like
2: didn't work out. The closest that they get to the edge in that, I think, is maybe... Like Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe for what? When like, it comes to like a little bit of like fourth wall perforating, when it comes to like the use of like non-di, gar- Guardians like, no, like diegetic and non-diegetic music, like the even Marvel- that is
1: baked into Peter's yeah. entire backstory, which is that's okay. his long last connection to his. The Marvel, so like even that moment,
2: is- yeah, is
0: is. You know, so yeah. and I like that moment. Right, yeah, yeah. The, but no, there's just this comes from someone who's probably by far the biggest MCU fan at this table. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: And this table is like the fucking last supper. I was going to say or, Jesus uh, is I, here. I was going to say yeah. Knights Judas of the round is table, here, but yeah. that's all right.
0: Uh they're fighting. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is has such a high opinion of itself that it would not break the fourth wall on itself because it believes it is too important for that. Yeah. Great. So. They just won an Oscar. Uh, So, just to finish off what I was commenting about a few minutes ago, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be shocking, but I feel like it would be much better served in a film like this uh, if it did not have a paint-by-numbers finale where, oh, it was the roommate who had the cupcake all along, and that's how she was kept getting poisoned. And, I mean, I guess... There's only so far you can go, especially with a low-budget uh, horror comedy. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like when I watch the original and why I've never had that much interest in going back and rewatching it, yeah, is that nothing felt unique in that entire film to me.
2: I'll admit that I was upon my initial viewing of Happy Death Day. Like I was initially a little bit taken aback by the whole roommate thing, just simply because I was. Following it scene by scene from the main characters, sort of like like list of of usual suspects that who, who would actually be like who would who who would be a, an accompaniment to like her own murder, and I just didn't like she was such a non character. Like the roommate was such a non character. I was just like, hmm, that was interesting. But I could I could totally see that being a trope. Yeah, like
0: yeah, yeah. and especially with the. Uh... That she works in the hospital, and so she, you know, staged that right. the murderer right, was there, right, right, just right, like ah. yeah, yeah. the the problem with, and it actually falls into the structure of both films, um, is it almost brings up its own flaws time and time again as it keeps repeating the same story, and then it keeps having to repeat the same mistakes that the film is making on itself. The
2: twist in Happy Death Day to you. Is absolute dog shit. I think when it comes to the well, shows. maybe
0: that's because the rest of the film is the same.
2: Ooh, I actually really liked it, like coming off of it. But like you know, I've I've been forced to sort of temper my enthusiasm. Like I think I still you,
0: you've been forced to use your brain when you're thinking about it.
2: Ooh, fuck off. Anyway, Come on. um, but we can have some fun here. I know, podcast. I know, I know. But um, I I, I I've the more time I've I've thought about this sequel like i don't think i like it as much as i initially did like just off the high of like seeing it um yeah there's some problems with it there's there's definitely problems with happy happy death day to you Um,
0: my favorite part of the original is actually the interesting bizarreness that happens in the the universal crawl at the beginning yeah and uh, here
1: they tried to do it again with its own spin on it and it was which I kind of
0: expected at this time and it yeah, was yeah. kind of just bland um, but i literally did not know what was going on uh, which was why it worked so perfectly because it went that far mm-hmm. to go all the way to the very first logo that comes on the screen to start the film so um that worked out i guess i'm going to go into my opening remarks mm-hmm. if, you, if you're yeah done too soft yes um i thought that the original film was super mediocre. Um, those these kind of horror comedy films uh, are such a niche market, uh, and that I feel like I'm usually not a huge fan of. Like I can get behind something like Ash vs. Evil Dead or something like that, but for the because mo- it plays it straight. Um. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if the original Happy Death Day doesn't really do that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a pretty straightforward film, even though it's definitely playing with a lot of different moments. Um, but it's it's doing almost nothing that feels original to me. Mm. Uh, and as someone who already is not huge on this brand anyways, I just found it to be very mediocre. Um, and also, although it still had some moments in it that I thought were funny, uh, and still also at the same time had some some... Well done uh, killings, uh, specifically earlier on in the film. Uh, I I feel like overall there are pretty diminishing returns there, especially if I went to go watch it a second time. Uh, Now moving on to the second film, since I have a much clearer view as I just went and viewed this a couple days ago. I was not a fan of what the second film was doing. Uh, I I didn't really care for... The multiverse shit. You see, here's the thing. Hmm. I felt like I liked the idea of it. I'm probably going to agree with what you're going to say. Yeah. Uh, it's the execution of it that feels like it just didn't go far enough. Kind of felt like the Cloverfield
1: Paradox, and I like this a lot better than that.
2: But, like, but even the fact that it, you have to evoke its name. Well, Holy the, shit.
1: I would just say that it dangles a lot of fun concepts that it really never actually... No plays in those sandboxes.
2: Like the repeats of... Uh... This
1: movie ends up being her going back to the original loop and that's where it gets stuck, literally. Yeah. It, the idea of parallel universes, A, doesn't make any sense in this movie. And, like, I don't mean, like, plot hold. I mean, like, why are these parallel universes converging from that moment that the loop was created and yet their entire backstory they're different? Like... I, I, anyway, uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent on that later on. but Yeah, uh, uh, I just... It seemed very muddled as to how it approached it.
0: Well, and I, I think that, for me, uh, lands at a point where this is a film that got greenlit when it probably shouldn't have been. So it was, we need to get this out to try to have some semblance of a return. Uh, and it just did not capture what the essence of what the film was promising to be in my opinion it it created this somewhat intriguing storyline uh and could have gone all the way and not necessarily didn't have to be technical like um you know something um (laughs) I'm I'm trying to think of the name of something, something like Primer or something like that, did not have to be anything in the neighborhood of that. But if it would have at least tried to go a couple steps closer to that, uh, it would have been a much more appealing, especially for a popular audience viewing for this. But instead, we just get this kind of dumbed-down version that compares itself to Back to the Future 2, so that I'm paying the entire movie, thinking about that in the back of my mind. Uh, and, and the movie also decides, even though uh, there are other relationships at play here, um, it decides to trade in any stakes in its film for this, I thought, honestly terrible storyline involving her and her mother that was dead in the other universe. Really? Yeah. I, I guess um I, for me Why would it be terrible? Hmm? why would
1: it be terrible? That was I I'm just like what what did you No,
2: I I, I um It's less it's less um It's pivoting from like mortal stakes to like I, I personal feel, stakes. No, I, like.
0: I think the reason why I say terrible is not necessarily because I'm a heartless piece of shit who doesn't want to see her, uh, regain some sort of relationship with her passed away mother. Um, but I feel like the film trades in a much cooler storyline for 45 minutes of her spending time trying to rekindle her relationship with her mother. So that's why I was kind of not interested in the rest of the film. Hmm. I think that's fair. Nick does not. He's staring at me. Like I literally just said something bad about his mother.
1: Uh, no, she's still alive. Um, <laughs> I... Well, I'm moving on, but uh, you have any... No,
0: I, 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 I don't have many more uh, initial thoughts. I I thought the original film was okay um, and probably something that I never needed to see again and uh, really had no interest in the sequel. I really just went to go see this because you guys wanted to do an episode. Yay! Out. Well,
1: I I... Completely believe you, but <laughs> I also think you had the biggest reaction to that trailer out of all three of us. Yeah, I'm just saying, like mm-hmm. you were at least somewhat hyped. Could I was, catch? I was, okay.
0: I was interested in the trailer, um, but I, I don't feel like the final product delivered on no, the trailer. I, I'd agree with that.
1: Yeah. So yeah, uh, the first movie, I enjoyed. Yeah, and I still enjoy. I think yeah. it's a fun piece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna do genre filmmaking, uh you on a slightly lesser budget, (laughs) obviously it's not a low budget, but it's certainly not a studio powerhouse, whatever. Um, like that's kind of what I think should be happening right now. I kind of love this bloom, blum, whatever house of terrors that we got going on where, um, these ideas are given actual credence and someone gets to make these random films about time loops or, uh, you know, people's body parts trying to kill them and whatnot. Um, it's all these kind of fun Twilight Zone-esque uh, pitches, which I, I'm not necessarily comparing quality-wise to that wonderful show, but the excitement of, like, what's this one gonna do for 90 minutes type. Uh, and I enjoyed Happy Death Day. I thought that the... the What worked for me for Happy Death Day was that it worked for me on both counts of being a slasher and a fun sci-fi rom. Like, it was equal parts... Not scary scary, but like you know, like the scene when she um is followed, uh she to go into the party, and finally the soul baby face <laughs> is behind her holding the cupcake. Mm-hmm. Like like that's a good little horror image, you know.
0: Yeah, the scene in the the scene in the dorm room with yes, the party in the first film
1: is fantastic. Yeah. And so like all those like even if the movie maybe doesn't quite reach the first thirty or forty minutes, uh like that movie knows how to be a slasher film. And on top of that it i think knows how to be a time loop film like concurrently running with that we are given funny little jokes of like uh uh-huh, the same things are going to happen every morning and it plays with itself and all that kind of stuff so i'm i'm a fan of that movie i don't think it's perfect by any man- means because i do think her arc while is actually enjoyable to watch uh <laughs> it's hard to pr- praise it too much because bill murray did it To, Hmm. like... Bill Murray did it! I mean, that's one of his defining roles, and uh, one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. Because of how much it totally hides a sci-fi, like, it will trick people who don't like sci-fi into loving it, Mm. because it never once explains what's happening. It's also a holiday film. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's got, like, (laughs) it's it's, it's all up there. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway um so yeah i'm a I'm a fan of the first one. The second one I watched I enjoyed myself while watching it, but I also think it's pretty bad, like it doesn't <laughs> quite
2: you know, I would agree with you I really enjoyed my i really enjoyed watching it, yeah. like but afterwards i'm like the more I think about it i'm like. This isn't really holding up, and I feel kind of embarrassed for my initial rating of yeah, it. it. It's, like, it's
0: like the Queen fans when they watch Bohemian Rhapsody a second oh, time. Oh,
2: boy, do I regret it. <laughs> do I regret it. Oh, darling. Um, Best editing.
0: Yeah.
2: They should have shown that scene. <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah, Why did you a... tell me about Live Aid? Why
2: did you tell me about Live Aid?
0: You don't know what that is. The fuck? It's not
2: a thing. <laughs> It's not a thing yet, Freddie. It's not a
0: thing. It hasn't occurred. Yeah. What?
2: That's why I didn't tell you. It doesn't exist yet. Eddie. Eddie.
0: <laughs> what anyway. Let me know when this is over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Continue, Nick.
0: No, I should. Just... Oh, boys. What is that from?
2: Bohemian
1: Rhapsody? <laughs> I was about no, to say that. <laughs> no, no,
0: no. That part, uh, somebody's screaming, Eddie. Eddie, what's that from? I feel like it's Emma Thompson saying it.
2: Oh uh, shit. Is it from that one movie it's where not
0: helping to sort? <laughs> Let's fucking work out my thoughts, bitch. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs>
1: I know what you're talking
0: about. Oh, it's not Emma Thompson. No. Uh, it is Tilda Swinton uh, in the uh, Coen Brothers film. Yes, Yes, yes. yes it uh, is. Caesar. Yes, yes.
2: that's yes. it. Yes, yes. You got I'm it. I'm coming back at eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, happy Death Day to you.
1: Uh, I'll say this. I really liked the first 25 minutes. I was actually okay with it when it was centering around the... Uh, sorry, I'm going to call him the Asian character yeah. throughout this Ryan. entire... Ryan. Ryan. Um, I
0: laughed out loud in the theater when that yeah. happened. Yeah. That, was, that was good.
1: And it, like, he <laughs> wasn't like the best part of the first movie, so like, the idea that a sequel could even be made around him, I thought that that opening pretty much proved it could
2: be. I like that they had the trombone of like, Shut up! And I'm just like, <laughs> that was... Awesome, because as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and um, and so I was here for it. Like I thought it would be, it would have been an interesting concept to view, basically if the loop got passed. But then to view it from a whole different perspective, while our main character now has the knowledge of the first one, uh, but then it jettisoned that entire idea to just. "Quote unquote," accidentally send the protagonist back into the same exact loop she's already lived in. But yeah. it's not the same exact
0: loop. It's, it's a different.
1: parallel universe. And Although, here's the thing:
0: uh, that the first scene, I will say that probably the best part is her having to relive that initial day that you see over and over again. The first, you know, thirteen yeah, seconds like, like, when she when goes she through walks, everything. When she walks up to the guy who's courting her and just screams, "You're gay!" Yeah, in yeah. his face. Damn, yeah.
1: <laughs> I and I I would agree <laughs> with that, but it got all those jokes out in the breadth of about thirty seconds, which mm-hmm.
0: is fine because it didn't right. have to keep replaying them. But at the same time, that's all it had for yeah. that connection to the first film, and then
1: we're we're there for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um. So I will say about the mother that was actually the only saving grace for the rest oh. of the movie because there was something. That was actually emotional, and that tied into the first film that wasn't explored in the first film because they literally
2: couldn't explore it in the first film. Oh, um, so that's a justification for even having a sequel, as right? To, so. so
1: I thought that was like the saving grace, and okay. as to why I don't give it a, that bad of a rating. No,
2: yeah.
0: I, and and I think the idea of the relationship with the mother is is probably not as horrible as I'm making it seem. It, I think it's more because I was interested in a different kind of film than this delivered on, it, so I was yeah, just yeah. like, meh when it showed up. But I will say... Um, if
1: the film stuck with the original 25 minutes of Ryan and him right. going through that, I wouldn't care if we never got the mother
0: yeah.
2: thing. Right? Like the, but, I think that's splitting the difference yeah. right here because I, I I do agree with what you just said, Nick. When it comes to the mother arc is basically the connective tissue of like the main character trees like arc from the, the first film and exploring something like about her personally in a dynamic that we weren't able to see before versus with like Alex. Like I totally agree with you that there is a much larger story at, at play here, especially with the alternate Ryan. The alternate Ryan, who's who's, who's yeah. like, where the fuck did he come from? And I'm just Are you talking like about the baby face, right? No, yeah, the baby, the original, no, yeah, okay, yeah, the yeah, yeah. the original baby face that kept on killing himself over and over again. I'm just like, I am very confused as to, like, I just feel like
0: it's it's dropped though, so, cause it's the- dropped, it is. and so they, we they, never fuck, we never fucking but you, find you, out. You, you know why? Because they didn't have an answer. They didn't know, have an and answer. Was-
2: <laughs> and and I feel like that is something that. Honestly, I could see that being the premise of even a third film, but it's I don't. Al- it's already but, been announced. But I don't think I'm did really you did watch all the end that. Credit scene? Well, I did watch the end credit I scene. I just curious.
1: I figured you were not going to stay
2: for it. I, I did. I did see it, and I enjoyed I, it. But enjoyed I'm just I, like,
1: I the fuck did out you there. read about it? No. So it does say basically what the next movie will be, which is, which is so for anyone who didn't see it. Mm-hmm. uh after the day is saved and all that jazz, uh, all of our main characters are out on the quad frolicking mm-hmm. around, and a huge few vans pull up, and clearly government official-like people come out of the vans and say, are you so-and-so and so-and-so and so and so and so whatever. They're like, yeah. And then they're like, you gotta come with us. And they come. So they basically spell out to them that they know that Ryan created this crazy temporal machine, but they don't know exactly how to... Survive a loop and all that because they're the only ones who have ever done it. They're like, but we also think we can man make it and like control it. We just need Mm. a test subject. And they're like, but who would we willingly put in it? And then Danielle wakes up in a loop.
2: Oh, yeah. But 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 okay. th- I think that was just as a if that's not the setup for the third film, and
1: I'm not saying I mean, because I want to see sure that, right? Like that would be pretty fucking. I stupid. Could, I
2: could see an alt like I thought <laughs> that that was a nice like end of film, like like not a palate cleanser, but it was just like you know it was a nice like a little punchline. like a punchline treat, like a nice joke. Yeah. But like going back to like so the whole alt right the 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 alternate Ryan. Did you say alt w- right? I was gonna say I said I started with alt. Alt. Ryan and i was just like a make America Great Again Alt. Hat. Ryan and I <laughs> thought that was that was way too close to the. <laughs> they call him Paul Ryan. To, I thought that was a little too close to the alt right and the alt right and Paul yeah. Ryan and I'm just like I'm just gonna call him alternate Ryan because I cannot fucking deal with that yeah, it would today. Be really
0: weird. Let's call if- Ryan. It would be really, really weird if instead of telling them about what's happening, he just pulled out a really shitty PowerPoint and started talking about the American Health Care (laughs) Act. Oh,
2: my God. Anyway. Let me just roll up my sleeves. So, (laughs) Alternate Ryan, um, I don't think is a strong enough pull for me to go see a third Film in this. I don't know if he's sure.
0: going to be in it. Oh, yeah. That's
2: what no, I'm saying. And that's, why I'm, that's why he's They didn't like, drop I, it
1: in the way Marvel drops things. they like,
2: we'll be back. <laughs> you know you won't. You're like, you're going to leave me here with a check? It's like, we'll be back.
1: No, and I'm with you because once again, that was part of that opening 30 minutes and like I was starting as a quantum physics nerd to go like, okay, yeah. that's probably Ryan coming back to kill himself yeah. because he learned that later. Because I, I went and saw it with a friend and yeah, yeah. she was like, shut the fuck up. And then yeah. I was very mad. Not only that was I wrong, but I was wrong because they just never really actually explained it. So I'm like, so that's probably what it should have been because I'm always right. Because
0: the film was not really interested in telling that story. Yeah, yeah.
1: And yet that's all it does. Uh, that's all it has to use you to hook you I know. which is re- yeah so it's really bad uh structure wise it's like um, two
2: halves of two better films but just on their own connected together they're just like i will,
0: they, I, will I will say they are though, less
2: than the sum of 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 what they could be
0: um the this film reaching the conclusion of uh the characters believing that they belong in their initial universe no matter what is a very interesting conclusion for a popular kind of film like this uh, is that's more something that's played around and that's more interested in getting deeper into the theory something like uh, i don't know like another earth or some movie like that but this film does at least go towards it in a much more it doesn't allow its
1: character to somehow use that machine Mm. to meld
0: those worlds together. yeah no she ultimately ends up with the choice that you have to make which is that you belong where you came from right um i sound god boy that's something they that could be turned into a total make america great again fucking campaign against me when they have all the audio files when we're older <laughs>
2: oh god <laughs> thank you for saying that though that at least the conditional part of it but it, it, oh, it, you
0: can cut out anything in audio
2: i um <laughs> i i i think that i've come across that sort of that sort of plot point before where you have to like make a make a choice where there's a fork in the road where you can just like resign yourself to the past, but if you do that then you stop yourself from growing. But this one felt like I I actually like this choice a lot because it's just like this is not your life. Like you you are Taking someone else's life, another used life, and right now, they're probably somewhere else, and they're scared, and they're afraid, and they don't know what the fuck's they're going on. They're in the middle
0: on. of the wall in a spaceship.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, my God. That is perfect. Yeah. Yes, Alex. They are in the middle of a wall in the spaceship, and they are Punched. They are punctured. They are bleeding, and they are scared, and they need to go home.
1: Yeah. Well, and also <laughs> it's the um, it's the literal manifestation of what a lot of people face after grief, which is right. like, especially time after grief, not just like the day after, but if you've got a moment far in the future to somehow reverse something that happened, you then have to concede to the fact that you don't like your life. If you were to trade that to you know to to undo itself. So. Mm-hmm. And so you have to realize that everything you hate, including death, is also what gets you to where you are yeah. and that's just an unfortunate thing. It, wasn't, fact a, it, of it life. wasn't a
0: bad part. One of the other parts of the uh, especially towards the end of the film that I, I actually think when we reach towards our conclusion is by far the best part of that whole structure that we have in the last hour and five minutes or so? I can so? say
1: really quickly, I know what your favorite scene is, and it was the Good. scene where Danielle uh, has to distract the uh, <laughs> Dean. I, I'm pretty sure that was probably no. the hardest you've laughed Jesus Christ. in no. a movie.
0: You could... <laughs> well done. Ever! Glad you know how to read me. Uh, actually, like <laughs> Actually, what I was going to say is I actually uh, thought the dynamic of uh, Tree and her roommate having to end up being like friends and then going back to her reality where she just murdered her the day before, uh, I thought it's pretty interesting because now she'll always have to live in this weird thing where she's going to emotionally feel like she has a connection with that person that is now dead. God. It wasn't um, her. I know. No, but, but it's mean, like that's uh, best yeah. what's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I thought that actually worked pretty well. Yeah, that's also well. kind of what death does. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, yeah. they're gone, and you're like, God, that person was a
0: fucking saint. Although, back in this thing, she literally tried to murder her, so... Did she? I mean, what if she? Yes! Just a, what if she's a poor baker? Uh, no. No, I don't think that's how that goes. I don't think if you're not a good baker, you just happen to just put poison in instead of flour. <laughs> oh, don't know. You if...
1: haven't seen the end of Ratatouille. <laughs>
0: I just watch that for the first time. That's <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> just, uh, uh, anywho. Anywho. Yeah. Happy Death Day, Mr.
2: President. President. What? And then it's just like, six Semper <laughs> uh One
0: of my favorite. Happy Death Day. Birthday. To one of my favorite...
1: Why are you saying birthday? Sorry. The joke. Isn't funny unless you say death day. I'm
2: sorry. I'm just so used to it. uh, One of my favorite
0: images from this entire film, probably for sure my favorite, is uh, the end when you have the climactic scene where you've got the dean of students who weirdly seems like it was ripped off of Jeremy Piven's character in old school. (laughs) Yeah. But you have the uh, two side characters who no one gives a shit about. Uh, the one who's only worried about getting expelled because he's like the guy from Animal House, uh, and then you have the the friend with the Jew o, uh, who I, I'm not quite sure. Tucson brought up that we don't know who her what her
2: name is. We don't know what her name is.
0: And uh, <laughs> Dre, yes, and and we don't really know anything about her other than she's there because they need more science nerds.
2: She's she's the girl who's in the in the science department, and I think yeah, that's kind of uh, fucked up.
0: But anyways, uh, the image of him spraying the uh, fire extinguisher and her being dragged by this guy's leg—I actually thought that comically worked pretty well. Um, but I'm really grasping for straws here because there wasn't much here for me. Anybody else have anything they want to discuss about these films?
2: Uh, nah, I mean they're they're enjoyable on their own. Um, I did actually just like peek at Letterbox at uh, one of my friends uh a very short review of it and it was uh what a movie about a girl who dies over and over until she learns to appreciate the guy she thought was a one night stand like hmm. <laughs> so it's like i think it's a good movie i think it's funny and i'm just like hmm. yeah
0: so going to ratings, yes. uh, I will start off by saying that I think the first one is passable, yeah. and I would give a middle-of-the-road 2.5 out of 5 rating, as I, I feel like yeah, it yeah, is yeah. it is somewhat enjoyable, but again, nothing special. Where the second film, uh, I found some parts of it to be somewhat amusing, but for the most part, it kind of sucked. Yeah. So I give it a, a 1.5 out of 5, and I... I think at least it's not, like, the worst film I've ever seen. It's not it's not knocking on Serenity's door or anything like that. But knock, knock, knocking on Serenity's door. It still
2: weirds me out that there's another <laughs> movie called Serenity. Whoa. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That'll um, be
0: my last Axl Rose impression ever. <laughs> I would <just laughs>
2: hope so. Can I go next? Yes, Here, you for can. For Axl Rose impression? Um, no, I mean with impressions about uh, Happy Death. Buy
1: our life. Walmart exclusive CD. That was mine. Oh, my God. Chinese democracy.
2: Oh,
0: my God. I remember. <laughs> Stop. This is, this is this is a random offshoot. Okay. <laughs> uh, but This
2: episode has been a mess. Well, they
1: all, I just heard. They all I'm doing my himself. Creed impression because we were talking about Creed earlier. Oh, my God. I'm done now. Continue. <laughs>
2: so,
0: um, I remember when uh, Chinese democracy came out. <laughs> I, re- I remember when Chinese <laughs> <because> democracy <laughs> happened. Because... I had polio. <laughs> because, <laughs> fucking damn it. Uh, <laughs> Axl Rose had been fucking talking this shit up for a good decade. Yeah. But, uh, and it came out and no one was interested. <laughs> no it's interested. And I remember going to Best Buy probably, I don't know, maybe like I, five to I six I think it was months. a Walmart
1: exclusive.
0: No, it was about, just wait a minute. It, it wouldn't have surprised me if it would have, would have been, but... I remember going, and this was towards the end of CDs, uh, but I remember going to Best Buy, and it was only, you know, four six months after the uh, album was released, and it literally was on sale for a dollar at Best Buy, and there was a large supply. When you brought it up, did you say, I'll buy that for a dollar? no wouldn't buy that for a dollar ha, ha i still like the second or the robocop remake um hmm. no no one was interested in chinese democracy so there you go
2: yeah um happy deaf day the first film i really enjoyed i think i would give that a three and a half i think that was a really good film um Going to happy death day to you. I actually initially gave this. Oh, I'm embarrassed to say I gave it a. I gave happy death day to you a four out of five. And I was I was just riding high on that film. I really enjoyed it. But, you know, in the in the cold light of morning of subsequent mornings afterwards, I've woken up and being like, what the fuck was I thinking? Um, I would give that I would give that like a. Like a light two out of five, honestly. Man, you've, like, like have come, come down hard. I've come down hard, man. I've come down hard. I mean, like that. that I look. Of all the things I like about, about that film, I do like parts of that film. I'm just like, there is no way on my personal scale that, that is anywhere near a goddamn four. Like that like I am I am a hard person where I just don't give anything a five, where a four is like pretty fucking significant. A four and a half is pretty fucking close. They ain't nowhere near a four and a half, let alone a fucking four. That's a fucking two, okay? Like that's some, I, w- I would agree. That's something I could put like I I, I can I can put it on and I could just like tune out. But like if I really thought about it, it just kind of like falls so, together. So
0: I know we we hit on uh, the reasons why, and I, I know you've said uh, a few times uh, while well, we've been discussing mm-hmm. the film about the reasons why since the initial viewing you've you've come down on it. But that is a steep drop without a second viewing. I know. So so <laughs> what what's the <laughs> sorry. What what's what's the what's the real driver for, for what's having that large of a change in your feeling on it? Really of...
2: it, it, it just came down from the uh I just don't know, like when I when I go They're back, kind of
1: like the uh, really quick the right. juxtaposition of the experience of silently watching something and actually opening the box and right put, bringing it out in the real right, world, right, right,
2: world. right, right, right. Like it was it was really cool to take the sort of knowledge that I had from the first film and sort of migrate that to this new experience. Like that was cool, but like if you if you siloed these off from one another and you just look at them as films, like. My film going experience was a four in that I I was taking an experience from a film that I really liked watching a sequel that was at most competent and actually like meaningfully in a lot of ways like had 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 nods to the original that felt like they were like material to the actual substance of the sequel. Um, But on its own, like really for me, it just comes down to it comes down to that villain reveal. And then as soon as I pull on that thread, a lot of other things just sort of like fall out of their position. And I'm just like – and and the whole thing about Dre, like that still is something that, that I, I'm – it's a – it is a relative small thing within the, the, the larger scheme of this. And it is something that is indicative of a lot of films of its ilk that just – have a character to exist and just be there but they're not a real character they're just sort of like
1: wouldn't you say the same thing about the other dude
2: I mean Samar
1: sure he knows (laughs) name.
2: I mean I know his name because they made a joke about his name they literally made a joke about his name is
1: that any better
2: I think it is for the I mean, fact that they even adjective. fucking said his name and that he has an identity. I'm I mean, sure like, they said
0: Dre to be. He honest. at least is holding a glass of yoo-hoo that goes flying. When yeah. the thing explodes. Yeah, I, I, oh, I no.
2: just, I just, I just feel like, like yoo-hoo. She like as as lo- as lo- as, as low Madison as now. low as their their relative existences are are portrayed in this film. I still think that um, he is far like. He's he's just a couple of notches higher than she is, and I, and I just don't like – I'm I'm just – that just fucks me up that I did not know her name after I left the film, and I had to, like, look it up, and I cannot remember. But well, you I,
1: didn't notice you didn't know her name. I did s- notice. Oh. I I did notice. I thought notice. you said because someone pointed it out to you. No, I noticed. I, I'm not saying that like you, n- n- you, n- yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying I just think that's how minuscule – a lot of the side characters are in this movie. I agree with you in the sense that yeah. it's a slippery slope to allow that, right? But also, like,
2: like this is a side character. You made a whole joke about their name because, like, they're foreign or whatever. And then there's this girl who just you can't you can't find a way to 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 monopolize off of that. So she just she has a name, but like it's really in, portrayed as inconsequential. And I'm just like, man, that. that there's a lot of other things about this film other than that, but that was those are two sticking points for me. Like the whole reveal about the 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 doctor and his wife. The doctor and his wife being the killers, I'm just like, what that doesn't I don't under I don't I don't fucking understand this it right makes, now. What the fuck are they doing?
1: Well, I guess I won't I won't say it makes the other movie make sense because technically it's an alternate reality,
2: so right. whatever. Fuck yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's a like Happy Death Day one is a three and a half, in my opinion. I enjoy that film. Happy Death Day to you. That is, a de- that is definitely a two. That's a That is that's, that's definitely a two, in my opinion. So, yeah. Onward to Nick. Thank you. Uh,
1: really quickly, I give the first movie three out of five, and I give the second movie two and a half. But I want to use my time really quick to list off the 10 things Rolling Stone says you might not know about Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy. <laughs> I want to hear about <clears throat> this. <clears throat> Number one. The band's label offered Axel a million dollar bonus to finish the album by March 1999.
0: No, that didn't happen. No, okay. Don't worry, these get better.
1: Okay. The majority of Axel's vocals were recorded 9 years before the album was actually released. Okay. That's right. that we're still in kind of just factoid. That sounds right. Here we go. At number 3. Axel wasted studio time re-recording Appetite for Destruction with new GNR members. Here we go, we're getting to the thick of it guys <laughs> This is actually my personal favorite Number 4 Queen's Brian May recorded some uh, guitar solos for the album But they didn't make the final mix uh,
0: so No one who knows who he is Yeah uh,
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny They didn't. They couldn't just say Brian May They had to no. technically uh, Oh, here's a good one, She's not like this one Uh <laughs> No offense. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal dropped in during a Chinese Democracy <laughs> rehearsal session to record a freestyle rap and do the worm.
2: Num- are you serious? Yep, this is what it says. Like are her. you fucking serious? Do I won't like this one? Don't Shaquille worry, th- th-
1: there are stories with them. So if you oh. are interested in the history, sure. Number six, Buckethead recorded guitar part for the album <laughs> while standing in a custom-built chicken coop. <laughs> And number That's seven, not. Axel visited a psychic during the session in mm. order to cleanse himself of any negative energy that might be hindering the recording. Mm. Number eight, Baseball Hall of Famer Mike Piazza leaked the Chinese Democracy song IRS to the radio. Oh, man. He's a predecessor to WikiLeaks. Number nine, Axel sued his manager for intentionally botching the release of Chinese Democracy. Yeah, I don't think that was really all on him. And finally, number 10, maybe the saddest thing of all, a sequel to the album was supposed to have been released by now. This article was written last November in
0: 2018. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about everything that surrounds Chinese democracy, uh, and we don't have to get into it, but at oh, the same time, right uh, talk about Buckethead—that uh, is like the signifier of everything has gone to shit with Guns and Roses. Yeah, and they when they decided I need somebody who used to love Buckethead. Yeah, well, that's that's on them. They they went to multiple uh, shows. Oh my. Yep. Uh when they removed that and brought the missing link, which was slash, back to the group, um, they immediately went on these gigantic stadium tours and were selling out places like Soldier Field. That's all you gotta do. I don't I think it's I think it's just first of all, Axel Rolls is one of the worst fucking rock stars ever. Yep. And I got to say, I mean, I won't say anything bad about him, but when he's gone, flush that turd. Uh, (laughs) Hey, uh, and if
1: you're upset that Alex said that, welcome to the jungle, baby. Okay? It's vicious out
3: here. It's vicious.
1: Uh, Not Sid Vicious.
3: What?
0: What? Okay. Nice. Nice sex pistols reference. Uh, Or WCW. (laughs) Either way. I was
1: Uh, definitely referencing that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, However, it is interesting that the fact that that is one of the worst rock stars ever that thinks that he's the reason why, when you bring back the random guitar player who wears a top hat, and then people are interested again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you can't cut it next to a Mr. Peanut lookalike motherfucker, (laughs) you're probably not good at being a rock star.
0: Yeah. We've really gone off the rails here. I don't think so. (laughs) Well, thank you for your final thoughts happy death. We're
1: all here. allowed to use our final ratings time in any way we see fit as long as we give our ratings. I'm
2: reclaiming my time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like a Republican senator yeah. during a boring hearing, I just decided to make very creative use of it.
0: It would be great if somebody during the Michael Cohen hearing just had a billboard that just said,
2: Axl Rose is an asshole. Oh, so I was going to gonna
1: say that just had Rolling Stone's top ten reasons or <laughs> you, things you might not know about Chinese democracy.
2: <laughs> you could just send us the link. You could just like, nope, I had to print it out and I put it on this billboard and we're going to all read it. That would
1: be me and like I'd be drinking a beer and watching it on C-SPAN and be like, oh, that's a fucking See, filibuster. you know one of the best
0: parts about <laughs> yeah. this? is that ten years down the road, if somebody goes back to listen to this episode and they think, oh, we're just going to get a new episode talking about Happy Death Day, oh. uh, they're going to get slapped in the face with well, an episode where we talk about things like Brexit yeah. and Michael Cohen. Black History Month. Black History Month and spend well, we're way cut too much out. time on Guns N' Roses and their album Chinese Democracy. You say way too much time. <laughs> I say not enough. Thanks, Tony Stark.
1: I think you mean Tony Stank. Oh God! Is he, Any,
0: is he is he done? Lee, also,
1: did he have to make a fucking cameo in the in memoriam Rio at the Oscars? He
0: Did well? I didn't watch it. They showed a clip <laughs> because he was dead. Because he's year. yeah. They did. They did show a clip of him after. I'm being an asshole.
1: Oh, man. I thought you were talking
2: about Tony Stark. I'm like I knew That's you Stan were talking. I know you're talking about Stan Lee. Yeah. He died... I know, yes. That's why you live there. I I know. And then I saw well, like I saw the clip of like that they used from I think was the Thor? Th- no, no. It what? wasn't from Thor. It was okay. from one of the X Men films because it was lifting up the water That's from the right. uh I couldn't remember. I think it was from X two or X three. X three I think.
0: Here's yeah. the thing. I mean there's lots of things to unpack about the Oscars from this year if oh, you wanted boy. to go down that uh-huh. road. Uh, Not that we necessarily need to spend too much time on it, Yeah, this has been a two-hour episode already about a film that wasn't worth that, Um, but two films, two you. I guess that's one way to look at it. Thank you, Tucson. The In Memoriam was really weird this year, uh, mainly because the Oscars are continuously trying to trim the fat off of something that I don't think there are a lot of people who are looking for fat to be trimmed, necessarily. Uh, they decided to save themselves probably roughly forty seconds by not showing full clips of people who are dead uh but in fact, the ones who got more than just a photo but they got a clip, it was like a literal second and a half of somebody just like turning their body on screen and that's it. Why even do that then like i don't i don't if it's really not worth the time for them to deliver like One of their most important lines of dialogue in the film, their film collection. Why show them, like, do you want to show that they, in fact, did move their body on the screen at one point? Like, I, I, it was such a weird presentation this year in the memoriam part of it. And I, everything down to the font they decided on for the memoriam thing, like, it's usually like a nice, well put together, like, thing you would see a font in, like, a funeral card or something like that. And it's like in big, bright blue, bubbly letters. And it's like, who picked this? I don't know. Sorry. I don't know why I went out of my way to crap on the memoriam.
1: If I could respond to that, I see what you're saying. And I will add that it turns out Walmart's exclusive was actually ACDC's Black Ice. And you were right. It was. Best Buy had the exclusive contract for Chinese Democracy. Apparently, they did not fare as well as Walmart did with those Boys in Black. You
2: You are now the lore keeper of Chinese Democracy here on Film Tank. And I cannot believe that we needed to... Create such a position, like if I if I had known back in 2015 we'd have to create this position, I'd be like I might have to rethink being a part of this podcast because I know where we went. <sighs> oh I, God! How about the
0: idea of the stores wanting to have exclusive rights to physical albums at that <laughs> point? <laughs>
1: 2007 was a weird time.
0: Yeah. It was- yeah, looking back on that, ooh, boy, that doesn't seem to be a good investment. Yeah.
1: I also want to announce my retirement from wow. all things Guns N' Roses. And Is it, from this, this going to be point it? On, Yeah, I will have nothing left to say.
0: Okay. So, anyways, uh, thank you guys <laughs> very much for being on this episode. I'm not quite sure for sure what movie we're going to talk about on the next episode. I don't know if we're going to do an episode between this and Captain Marvel or yeah. not. My guess would be probably not. So yeah. likely our next episode will be discussing the Brie Larson film that will tie the entire MCU kind of back together, sort of, until the next film. Uh, and that's Captain Marvel coming out. Um, yeah. And It's not really the start of summer, but it's definitely going to be just to get people's beak wet on the MCU for uh, the remainder of the year.
2: There's the third month of the year anyway yeah but i get you yeah yeah i know yeah yeah
0: so nick looks really sad so i think we should bring this to a close yeah so thank you very much to uh nick cheney
2: and also hi. to son
0: egan hi and thank you very much to the audience out there as always uh glad you're able to join us and uh from myself nick cheney and usan egan we will catch up with you next time here on film tank <laughs>